Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I think it's very okay to say the Indianapolis Colts are not very good. I think it's very okay to say you walk away from this Thursday night football game with a 12-9 win that you needed overtime for. You couldn't throw a touchdown. Matt Ryan is still fumbling. The offensive line gives up six sacks. And this defense didn't, as Frank Reich wants to say, really hold. It's that Russell Wilson was absolutely positively horrific. He was terrible in this game. My gosh. The Colts are 2-2-1, and they're not as good as their record. Not by a long shot. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. They're 2-2-1, two, two and one, and they're better than the Broncos at 2-3. and three. I mean, when it comes to field goals, hey, we, we, we may have found a guy. Colts may have found a guy there in Chase McLaughlin, uh, you know, uh, hit, hitting pretty solid. But, oh, damn. Oh, damn. You, you take a look at, at where uh, the Twitter feeds were. I know it's Twitter. What are you going to – you can't trust that stuff. You can't trust that stuff. People are like, I'm done here. This is not what, – whatever this team thought it was, it is not. It isn't. It's just – it's just bad. And what's so crazy is you, you look at these guys individually, you're like, this is solid. There are players here. When we picked up Philip Lindsay for the practice squad, I was like, are you kidding this is a guy who's had seriously good seasons with the Denver Broncos, and he's the he's the practice squad guy. It's amazing. They had to call him up. Uh, they had to they had to call him up in in this game because of course Jonathan Taylor wasn't going uh, to be playing, and it's good that they did considering that injury that we saw to Naeem Hines. Uh, I spoke with JMV from ninety three five one zero seven five. Uh, the fan, because uh, uh, I want to hear it from the pros. What did you, JMV, think of this game? Yeah, Tony, the product is still not what's supposed to be. And, uh, you know, right now you, you win, and that's great. As you mentioned, and accurately so, they're still right there. I think a half game actually um, um, in first up until they play the rest of the games coming up on Sunday, I think, as of right now, in the thick of it, let's just say. But, yeah, this is not the product that anybody expected. There's no doubt about that. Denver – Denver basically gave them, and Russell Wilson gave them the game last night. You know, it's funny. People say this all the time, man. This guy looks like he's shaving points, and that guy looks like he was shaving points. It looks like Russell Wilson last night had the Colts or something because those passes, those decisions were inexplicable, and even more so than Matt Ryan's because Matt Ryan looked washed up, and Matt Ryan was throwing it all over the place. Matt Ryan was running for his life. But the difference in that game last night was the decision-making by Russell Wilson, which was absolutely awful. And it almost looked like to be that bad, especially, Tony, from a guy that has been that good over the course of his career, he would almost have to be doing it on purpose. 
because all you had to do was run the ball. I know, again, when he was the, the quarterback of Seattle in the Super Bowl, there's evidence of, you know, just run the football and you can win the Super Bowl. They didn't just run the football last night, which they could have done. Uh, they could have just kicked a field goal instead of doing what they've done. It's just inexplicable behavior by the other team that the Colts took advantage of, more so than the Colts taking that game themselves. And I, I want to be clear about a couple of things. Uh, first, uh, this kicker that they have brought in, yeah, um, uh, Chase McLaughlin, he can kick. He was hitting things from 50 yards. It was you, you got to feel good about a guy with that much pressure, seeing the offense sputter that much, still able to kick. And, and, and isn't the long snapper a, a rookie? Uh, no, the Luke long Rhodes, snapper. Luke, He's a rookie, yeah, right? Rhodes, yeah, Luke Rhodes, is a, Luke Rhodes is a long snapper. He was actually a pro bowler last oh, year. My mistake. Uh, and, my and, mistake. That's okay. And his, uh, and his holder his holder is uh, Matt Hawk, who's the uh, new punter. So that's and, that's and so so y- you got to take a look at Chase and feel good about yeah. that. You got to take a look at that that final interception by Gilmore and say, man, that's pretty incredible stuff. But you don't take you, you had Coach Reich saying defense way way to stop them, way to be tough, way way to way to uh, totally uh, stop them. This wasn't the defense stopping them. This was Russell Wilson and the Broncos not able to do anything. Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan were completely indistinguishable yesterday. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and Tony, you take the win. You do. You take the win and you move on. But, again, that's not the product anybody signed up for here. That's not the product anybody expects to see. The the defense had its moments. But, again, again, the the defense was helped out by the decision-making of Russell Wilson and the decision-making and the execution of Denver. I just go by this. It was great that they won because it would be even more miserable than some people still are with the way that they played this morning had they lost that game to that team that tried to give it away over and over again. But at the same time, what we were told to expect, what we did expect, and what we have seen so far this year has been awful. Um, And I don't know if you view this as just kind of, you know, prolonging the agony or whatever, but this AFC South is going to keep you in it, and it's probably going to keep some people employed. Last night's game will probably keep somebody employed, even though we saw it. They made those massive changes, Tony, to start the game on the offensive line, and the offensive line was even worse. I mean, you think about it. You know, Ryman came in, the rookie at left tackle. He had a nightmarish performance last night as a rookie starting left tackle. They moved Braden Smith from right tackle, so now he's a highly paid right guard. And Matthew Pryor moved over to right tackle, and it was an absolute mess. So, Tony, they don't have any answers. The only answer they got last night was the fact that Russell Wilson was the worst decision maker we have seen in a long time. You take it, and I guess you're wrong with it. Talking to JMV from 93.5-1075, the fan, uh, they luckily have some time to engage some recovery. Man, uh, I'm only hoping the best for for Naeem Hines. Uh, That was frightening to watch him uh, wobble there. You had more guys taken off uh, the the field than you could could count. you, you give these guys a couple of days to breathe, to relax, to, 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 to ice down, to do whatever it needs to do. When you're, you're coming back, and I even, I forget who we're, we're facing next. When, when practice starts again, what's the mood of this team and what should be the mood of this coach? Well, I, I mean, you're still trying to search for answers. You're still trying to find answers. But you, you did, I mean, you did go in there and you won. And that was, you know, the overall the challenge that you had and, and certainly the focus that you had 
but they do have injuries. I mean, you're talking about Naheem Hines. When's Naheem Hines going to be back? You're talking about Jonathan Taylor with its extended period of time, kind of like a mini-buy, if you will, 10-day period until they play Jacksonville coming up at home a week from Sunday. And then you mentioned Quiddy Pay as well being carted off the field. And that's part of, Tony, what you see on these Thursday night games. The NFL loves it. They crank out a lot of money. Amazon pays them a lot of money. But it is not good for these guys. It's just a too quick of a turnaround in this brutal game. And you saw a lot of that really on both sides of the football last night. But there's no doubt the Colts need about 10 days to rest this because last night last night was tough coming off that loss to Tennessee at home on Sunday and that short turnaround. You got to win. But last night, as far as injury concerns were there, it, it, was, it was tough on the team all the way around. Talking to JMV from 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Um, Speaking of injuries, uh, when is Shaquille Leonard back? When is Jonathan Taylor back? And if we're going to talk about some things that could make you feel good, um, you take a look at Deion Jackson, Phil Lindsay. They ran for for over 100 yards. You take a look at Alec Pierce uh, yesterday, eight receptions, 81 yards. Michael Pittman, uh, five for 59. Uh, the difference is, is that Pierce was targeted nine times, eight receptions. Pittman targeted eight times, five receptions. Um, is Alec Pierce coming along, and do we have a running game without Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, um, uh, Alec Pierce was a player last night. I mean, he was an absolute player, and you saw it. He was one of the big reasons why they were ultimately in play to win that game. He was huge down the stretch. I mean, he turned some really errant-looking passes by Matt Ryan into receptions, got them to move the ball down the field. There's no doubt he is legit, and that part is exciting. He and Chase McLaughlin were the MVPs of the game last night. As far as the running game is concerned, I would expect Jonathan Taylor to be back. I think this 10-day or so window is going to help him get back Tony and be okay. We'll watch Naheem Hines in that situation because you accurately mentioned earlier that was absolutely brutal to see that. Uh, and Philip Lindsay did step up, step up big with against his former team in his hometown market uh, last night on Thursday Night Football. But this team, no doubt, it's a team all the way around, Tony. It's a team injury-wise, and it's a team as far as functioning. It needs to recalibrate. And they tried it last night in a short week. That was weird doing what they did to the offensive line in the short week, and it didn't work. And, again, you get a win, you're right there in the AFC South, but this is not even in the same stratosphere, Tony, as we were told, as we thought we were going to see, and they're just going to have to work on that. That's going to be this week of getting ready for Jacksonville because that is going to be a mammoth game coming up a week from Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium, a game that you absolutely have to have. I guess they just survived last night. That's the way you look at it. You survive and you move on. But it was the ugliest game that I have seen in a long, long time. I thought it was kind of amazing to hear him discuss that. That's JMV from 93.5107.5. The fan, uh, 3 to 6 p.m. over there. I always appreciate him being on the show. Ugliest game he's seen in a long, long time. You mean since uh, the loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars at the end of last season? It hasn't been that long. Oh, oh, I don't. First, uh, if this is going to be the season, right, with, with, with the cardiac kids, right, if this is going to be the, the, the season that's going to be, well, all right, that's at least kind of interesting. That's its own kind of a tale. All right, all right, things are bad, things are rough. Fourth quarter, let's go. Time to watch some football, all right? That's going to be it. That's going to be it. You know, you always know with the Colts, you've got five quarters to get it done. That's, that's going to be the new mantra. Indianapolis, we can do anything in five quarters.
but yeah, it's it's. I I I again wonder about that fan base, whether or not they're, whether or not they're cool with this, whether or not they want this. How how about that? Like like like, like is this going to be enough for fans? Will they keep turning out? But the the cold seven argument, we won. We sucked, but they sucked more. We won. You know, there's a possibility uh, if you would need Jacksonville and Tennessee to lose. I don't even know they're playing. Are they playing each other? No. No, no, no. If if they were to both lose, uh, the Colts would be first in their division. Which is strange because right now the Colts should be first in the AFC West. <laughs> they beat the Chiefs and... And the Broncos. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty, pretty impressive uh, stuff. By the way, where where, where are the... Uh, no, no, I was wrong. Gosh, Houston does play Jacksonville. My mistake. <laughs> no, it's Houston. Houston is 0-3-1. Jacksonville is 2-2. Two two. So where's uh, Tennessee? Oh, Tennessee plays Washington. Right, they're not playing each other. Okay. I got it right. I saw AFC South. I got a little. I got a little confused. I got a little. Got a little. Uh, got a little giddy. Is what it is. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So the tickets are selling like stupid nuts, and there are still a few left. I honestly don't know what the situation is going to be after the weekend. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, a night with WIBC presented by Relay Indiana. Uh, it's myself, it's uh, Kendall and Casey, it's Hammer and Nigel, a whole bunch of other folks from here at WIBC on stage at the Schrott Center for Performing Arts on the campus of Butler University. That's Thursday, October 27th. So the, the tickets are still on sale. I mean, I shouldn't say it that way. There are still tickets available. That that's because that's that's what it is, and and so a couple things happened with this. Everyone knows that with the with the the the, the takeover, right? The the, the new company, uh, the website's been changing, and that's I won't lie, it's been a hot mess. But certain things are working great, like for example, the events page. So you go to wibc.com, and you click on the events page, and there's a night with WIBC. So when we first launched. It wasn't. It wasn't working, uh, and uh, and people were like, "Oh man, I can't. I can't get my tickets." And so it, it it took a couple days for that to get figured out, and so now everything's working. So it's kind of like we 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 kind of like teased the the, the, the sale because because now now you can now you can get your tickets, and they've been they've been selling like like nuts. They've been selling crazy. We're also in a much bigger venue. I think the venue is double the size. I think that's what happened. We're like, we're like, dude, that's why there's still some tickets available. If we were in the in the old venue, we'd already be sold out. If we were in the old venue, we were we would already be sold out. And considering how quickly those sold out, I think some people are like, ah, I'm not gonna get mine. It's already too late. It's 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 weirdly not that the two things have kind of worked in uh, together in tandem to to create the opportunity. It's gonna be a good night. It's gonna be a good night. There, there there's gonna be some beverages. There's gonna be some snacks. Uh, I, I have been preparing my, uh, I've been preparing my, um, my, my, my spiel, my, my presentation. Uh, it's, I think, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. I'm going, 
I'm going to touch behind the scenes. So I'm it's it I'm 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 looking looking forward to it. I I, I thought about doing something really really intense. I, I think I told you I thought about bringing my my mother out. I thought about doing an interview with my mom. Yeah, if you haven't met Diane, if you haven't heard Diane on the air, oh, Diane's terrific. But it's been a very very rough uh, health year uh, for Diana and 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 my father. It's it's been very rough, and so I'm not I'm not doing that to to my mother. Just just that's just not gonna happen. So I've got a a new plan, uh, and and I'm, and I think you're gonna I think you're gonna love it. I think you're gonna love it. I think it's gonna be fantastic. I think it's gonna be enjoyable. I think it's gonna be entertaining. I think I'm gonna make you laugh, uh, guaranteed. Or or um uh you get to punch Nigel in the privates. That 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 can't be bad. That's that's got to be solid right there. So that's a night with WIBC presented by Relay Indiana, and that is Thursday, October twenty seventh, at the Schrott Center for Performing Arts on the campus of Butler University. You can go to wibc.com and click on events, and then boom, it's right there, and then you can get your tickets. Uh, also, keeping an eye on this uh, Mayor Styron story, current uh, you are current papers, you are current.com. Uh, says that uh, Brian Trailer, who is a Zionsville Town Council member, has called for uh, Mayor Styron's resignation because she made these present these remarks during a presentation of her 2023 budget. Uh, and in the budget, they're like, "You, you, this council are spending too much on legal fees." But the council has had to use their lawyers to defend against lawsuits coming from the mayor, and everyone knows this mayor is abusive. Oh, this mayor's a bully. She's a bully. Come on. She she's calling uh, uh, a constituents four letter words because they they ask questions about firearms. Oh, you don't agree with me. I say blank this and blank that and blank your mother and blank your sister. Oh, my gosh. F these people. Oh, there's nobody I don't curse at and scream at. Man. She she is she she's a bully and she's one of these people who be like oh you disagree with me you must be a sexist that's that is that is special so trailer says that you know her her uh, at the last meeting she was inaccurate she was misleading um, discussing legal representation and the costs of legal representation and uh, so when she got asked about it. Uh, she's like, well, you, you know, uh, I, I don't spend, I am sure that counselor trailer is hearing from his supporters, but I don't really put much time or effort into listening to Brian trailer. So the mayor doesn't listen to this, to the town council. This is, this is freaking precious, precious. Let me say it again. She's a bully. And I'm not so sure that Zionsville is really happy with their choice here. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they'll re-elect her, and uh, then you'll know what Zionsville's all about. But please don't think Zionsville looks good under her under her leadership. You, 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 you don't. You, you don't look good. Uh, Styron is such a bully that she makes Jim Brainerd look reasonable. There you go. This is Tony Katz today. Hear the drums echoing tonight. So Joe Biden, he's the president of the United States. Uh, it's actually true. You can actually check uh, the records. He wants you to know how close we are to Armageddon. Well, not you. A fundraiser 
that he was at for the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee talking about Vladimir Putin, the the Russian president, claiming it's a guy he knows fairly well, although how well uh, do you know him? This seems very Trumpy. Oh, yeah, we're friends. It's very, very Trumpy in that uh, approach. And then states that he's not joking, meaning Putin's not joking when he talks about the use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons, and then talks about we, the free and thinking people of the world, facing the prospect of his words, not mine, Armageddon. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's great to be with you guys. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. Is this the talk for a world leader at a fundraiser? Isn't this the kind of talk that literally rattles the cages of every world leader, makes them wonder what's happening next, makes them question the effectiveness of American leadership to the extent that there is American leadership? After all, have we seen any of it? Which leads to, well, what happened to the American policy of deterrence and have we deterred anything at all? Noah Rothman joins us right now of Commentary Magazine, commentary.org. You also see him there writing at NBC and appearing on MSNBC. Uh, it, It is odd to me, Noah, to see the President of the United States in these private settings be so nearly cavalier about this idea of, oh, yeah, it, it, it could be Armageddon. The exact quote is, we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. So first things first, is this hyperbole, or do you, do, you ba- do you believe, based on your analysis, this is factual? And what's your take of him having this conversation in this fundraising setting? I, so I've been saying on the commentary podcast where I talk on a daily basis, that I do think it's appropriate for even a presidential-led uh, national conversation at this point about what a crisis would look like if one were to materialize. We are not there yet, but it would be nice if we had a sober, rational national conversation about what deterrence is, what it can do, what it's designed to prevent, and what a crisis would look like so that the American mind we haven't had to think about these issues for the last 30 years. The American mind, if, you're, if you just consume popular culture, probably does go from the prospect of a nuclear detonation all the way down the flowchart to the very end, a day, to, a day after a scenario, a strategic nuclear exchange between superpowers. That's not how this would go. And it's appropriate for the president to tell the public that to calm frayed nerves. What did he do? The precise opposite. And where did he do it? in the worst possible venue imaginable, in a fundraiser full of Democrats, without any cameras, without recording equipment, where this stuff was just leaked. And so we just have this, essentially, what the president has done, talking so flippantly and, as you say, cavalierly, about an extremely serious issue, which should be broached in very sober terms. And it strikes me that because he was being so flippant, that we're probably not privy exactly in this conversation to what the presidential daily briefing says. To me, this is Scranton Joe being logoreic, telling the room something that he knows will get a rise out of them because it's so unserious. We do need a serious conversation about this, but the president sort of um, but in it's, this meandering, meandering way envisioning himself as Kennedy in this situation. But it's doesn't, that. doesn't equate to the situation. Seems like an, a window into his psyche. 
But that, but, but I, it, it's that, and not to divulge, you know, any private conversations we have or text. When I texted this to you yesterday, hey, do you want to talk about this? You had, you had gone to that first. This, what if this is something that he says in the room? And, and that's the part that I, I will tell you that has been seared into my head since, since last night in, in thinking about this conversation, because if this is just him trying to speak to the room or if this is him a, a extemporaneous or if this is him in some like like weird tangent of thought, this you ask yourself, is this cogent or does this play into where's Jackie? Meaning you don't know what it is you actually can believe and whether or not he is connected to the material itself. So now I ask for the analysis. Exactly how bad is the situation for Russia vis-a-vis Ukraine, the war that they started, and how serious do you think people are out there about Putin saying, I'm not giving this thing up, I'm taking the Donbass, I'm going to take these annexed regions, we're going to make them Russia, and if I've got to go tactical nuke, I'm going tactical nuke. Well, the situation is bad um, in Ukraine. It's very bad for Russia, and it's very bad for geopolitical stability. Uh, if you were to draw a straight line trajectory based on how the war has been going so far for Russia and can, you know, continue to play that out three, four, five months down the road, uh, you would see Ukrainian troops on the borders of or even in Crimea uh, taking parts of the Donbass that Russian forces have occupied since 2014. Uh, already, the Russian narrative is unnerving insofar as it was a war of liberation, an offensive war to free Ukrainians from Nazis, whatever, drug addicts, whatever their logic was. It has since become a, a, a expression of weakness. Russia had this big celebration for itself uh, a week ago, but it was conveying its own weakness. It's now under invasion, according to its own narrative. Western armed forces are invading what have become Russian territory. And that is unnerving because now this is a defensive war. And the Russian narrative, it's a defensive war, not an offensive war. And in Russian military doctrine, that, that opens up a whole lot of avenues that they can pursue. Um, so it's, we're right to be nervous about it. I don't know how Moscow de-escalates the situation in the absence of some game-changing events on the ground, like a nuclear standoff. I, I do think that we're going to get to a place where we'll have a very serious nuclear standoff at some point. And that's why we do need to talk about it. And there are ways to talk about it that aren't completely self-destructive. The president for some bizarre reason, decided to go off, I think, just to impress the audience. I really do, because this puts him in a bad position. It makes the situation less stable in the international environment. It does nobody any favors. It probably helps Russia a little bit. It makes them a little more queasy. He did, he did no good in this conversation, which is why I can't imagine it was a thoughtful effort on the part of this White House. Talking to Noah Rothman of Commentary Magazine, commentary.org. You can follow him on Twitter, Noah C. Rothman, R-O-T-H-M-A-N. Um, will you talk about how, how Russia might take this? You're a NATO nation. How are you taking this? That's a good question. I mean, it depends on the NATO nation. Um, if you're Western Europe, you'd probably shrug it off. If you're in the Baltics or in Central Europe... It might be a little more unnerving. Uh, I mean, everybody's taking this very seriously on the ground. Poland is, is distributing potassium iodine tablets. Uh, Kiev officials are doing the same. Um, there's quite a lot of apprehension about what Moscow intends to do here. And it's entirely rational on the part of Vladimir Putin if he were to decide that he has no choice but to, let's say, detonate a small device in the upper atmosphere. Doesn't kill a single Ukrainian, doesn't irradiate any territory, 
just demonstration blast. How does the West respond in that way? And I think it's a very open question because you can see in the absence of any conversation laying the groundwork ahead of a crisis to cool tensions when they arise, you can see mass hysteria, people fleeing urban centers, shops being emptied out, markets collapsing, chaos with the promise of worse to come. How does the West respond? Do they respond, as General Petraeus says, with a massive conventional retaliatory strike on any asset outside Russia's borders and maybe a few inside of them? Do we pull that trigger? I don't know the answer to that question. It's entirely possible that the West could be cowed, stop supporting Kyiv, and urge them to come to the table, regardless of the territorial concessions they have to make. That's certainly what Moscow would be banking on. That, that's the, that's the vision outcome. we want to give China? The vision we want to give China is Biden goes off saying something dumb. Russia says, all right, let's now scare the bejeebus out of them. And then the West says, okay, you win? Yeah, absolutely. We can't let that happen, which is why you have to say it now. All the consequences that would arise if we were to say, okay, nuclear blackmail works, would mean we get a lot more nuclear blackmail and even perhaps more nuclear detonation. That's what we have to avoid. And we have to have that conversation now in a very sober and serious way, which is exactly what the president did not do. So now let's get to some definitions. By the way, you, you brought up potassium uh, iodide. That is something you would take uh, to uh, reduce effects of radioactive material from being absorbed uh, by the thyroid. Just in case you're wondering what Noah was talking about. And <laughs> I, I, I mean, Doctor. you can't just drop those kinds of things, man. We got definitions. Words have meaning. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Which, they're which, available on Amazon at $20 a bottle. Get them while they're hot. Oh, good Lord. I'm going to get emails like you wouldn't believe. Uh, We should say for the benefit of your audience, I think this is less likely than likely, right? This is, there is more downside than upside. It is, it is a game changing act of desperation and we're not there yet. So, but the, the, of of relief, it's just possible. And we need to talk about possibilities. And it is possible. But one of the conversations has been, is that none of this would have happened if deterrence had worked. So define, if you would, deterrence. And where do you think, based on your analysis, was the key failure point in that strategy, which has been U.S. policy for a good long time? Let's, let's not talk about Russia in the context. Let's talk about Iran. Um, in 2019, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said Express explicitly in these words that in the Middle East, deterrence had broken down. Um, and that meant that Iran was doing quite a lot of provocative things. It was attacking U.S. positions in Iraq. It was executing massive drone strikes on Saudi oil refineries. It was attacking and seizing ships in the in the um, in the Persian Gulf. These were that's what happens when deterrence breaks down. There, he was undeterred. So how do you restore deterrence? You have to reestablish an equilibrium in the region that creates a, a threshold of pain at which point you can't absorb it anymore. And that's what we did. We executed a very effective strike on Soleimani, head of the IRGC. And how did Iran respond? Iran responded demonstratively. It responded in a face-saving way, loosed a bunch of missiles from Iranian territory into Iraq, which was new. They hadn't done that before. But... They didn't really hit a lot. There was some evidence that we had forewarning, and there was no follow-on. Deterrence had been restored. That's how you restore deterrence. And this, so that's, that's deterrence in a nutshell. It's, it's creating uh, consequences for actions that cannot be absorbed. 
um, at least advertising them and broadcasting them now. So back to Russia. I don't think it's wise for us to take off the table a full-scale strategic nuclear exchange against silos, against cities, all that Armageddon talk. I don't think we can do that without, you know, curtailing our ability to respond in a forceful way, a disproportionate way, leave that on the table. Nevertheless, that's not how we would respond. And everybody who studied nuclear theory and nuclear deterrence theory knows it, except the people who talk about this sort of stuff at the bar t- at the bar stool. They talk about it in terms that Joe Biden talked about it, that there's no way for you to detonate a nuclear weapon without there being a full-scale world-ending exchange. That is just not true. And it's the sort of thing that only makes people more anxious. It does nothing to restore to deterrence. It probably makes deterrence harder to, to be restored. Um, it's one of the, it's, it's just a, it's a callous and, as you, say, uh, as you said, cavalier way to talk about these issues for somebody who doesn't really know a whole lot about them. And you expect more of the president of the United States. He shouldn't have done this in this venue at all. But if he was going to do it, he should have been talking about this in a sober and rational way that gives you some confidence that the commander-in-chief of the armed forces knows what he's doing. I've got a couple minutes. Let me now go to the other side of this war, which is Ukraine, where you have President Zelensky of Ukraine saying NATO should be engaged in preemptive strikes to stop Vladimir Putin from engaging any level of nuclear attack. That's escalation, isn't it? Well, if we did it. But but isn't the statement an escalating statement? Not, not the guy who's under invasion. Look, from Ukraine's perspective, the, the world has already ended. Their children are being shipped off to Russia and reeducated. Their, their, their family members are being taken to torture chambers and having their fingernails ripped out uh, and raped. 10,000 people have already died. I don't begrudge anybody in Ukraine saying, listen, do what you can to Russia at this stage. I'd probably be saying the same given their circumstances. It's incumbent on us to say, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. Because it's crazy. It's not going to happen. The worst thing we could do at this particular moment is make any sudden moves. Uh, We're doing things very deliberately. When we escalate, we escalate slowly and we escalate deliberately. We communicate all along the lines of communication to our counterparts in Russia. And there are open open lines between us where we convey what we're doing and what the consequences of what they they want to do will be. Uh, As long as that's open, I have a fair amount of confidence that that's that's fine. I don't begrudge Vladimir Vladimir Zelensky saying crazy things given his situation, which is apocalyptic from his position. That doesn't mean we have to listen to him. That is Noah Rothman of Commentary Magazine. Commentary.org is where you find his writings, where you find uh, his podcast. You should subscribe. It's it's worth it. Noah C. Rothman uh, there. Noah C. Rothman on uh, Twitter uh, as well. Always a pleasure, my friend. We've got more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So I have no idea where the markets are going to end up. Uh, because of of this news of uh, the jobs report that's 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 out there you know I, I you've got dr matt will talking about this isn't as bad as 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 we thought you've got cnbc saying the job market is staying strong is that what it's telling us unemployment is now 3.5 percent of course that's going to be biden crowing as we know morning noon and, and night but people who leave the job market is not a sign of unemployment going down are we seeing a stalling in hiring it remains my question. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm off base on that question. And, and and it's very possible as we discussed it, maybe we can't answer that question right now. 
but we're, 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 we're seeing, just like we saw Fortune 500 companies put in hiring freezes, they engaged in rescinding job offers. We did see, anecdotally, we saw that, that uh, the number of applications coming in for entry-level work was growing. The question is, 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 is that now going to be slowing? Are we going to hear anecdotally into this winter that that's, that that's not the case because the people aren't hiring because they don't know how things are going to grow and happen and they can't afford to put too much into the labor because they don't know if the, if the marketplace is going to be there considering the rise of interest rates and the rise of inflation to buy their product. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. And, and uh, you'll hear about this on uh, Eat, Drink, Smoke, the Cigar and Bourbon Show, uh, eatdrinksmokeshow.com, eatdrinksmokeshow.com. Cigar prices, you're going to start seeing those go up. Inflation hits everything, everywhere. Oh, no, daddy is not happy. And in this conversation, I am daddy. By the way, uh, tomorrow, uh, Saturday, I will be at Final Third Cigar in Ingalls. So that's east of Fortville. Finalthirdcigar.com. Uh, the guys from All Saints Cigars are doing an event out there. So Fingers Malloy and I, he, he co-hosts uh, Eat, Drink, Smoke with me. We're going, and we're going we're gonna to do some recording. We're going to have the book for sale, Let's Go Bourbon. We'll be signing uh, copies. We'll be smoking some All Saints Cigars. It's going to be a good time. Nice way to spend a Saturday uh, afternoon. So uh, come by and check that out. Final Third Cigar. Uh, there, they, they also have bourbon. They also have bourbon. That's in Ingalls, finalthirdcigar.com. Eat, drink, smoke. We'll be out there. We'll be saying hello, smoking cigars. Signing babies. Nope, don't bring your baby. Their cigars do not bring uh, your baby. Uh, it's just that easy. And find everything at tonycats.locals.com. I will catch you on Monday. Take care, guys.